welcome to episode 92 of the Jambase podcast. I'm Scott Bernstein, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. This installment features an interview with singer-songwriter Anderson East. Jambase's Andy Kahn spoke with East about his new album, Maybe We Never Die, which comes out tomorrow on Electro Low Country Sound, and many other topics. Stay tuned for AK's Chat with Anderson East, which follows some updates from the live music world. The impact of COVID-19 continues to be the big story, with the recent surge in cases leading many acts, companies, venues, and festivals to announce new policies. Also, a number of acts canceled and postponed shows due to COVID. Widespread panic frontman John Bell tested positive for COVID-19, which forced the band to postpone a three-night stand in Austin that was supposed to take place last weekend. The shows at ACL Live will now be held October 8th through the 10th. The good news is that JB seems to be all right. Bell shared a statement on Friday night just hours after Panic announced the postponement of the run, in which he revealed his symptoms are mild, as he was experiencing a slight fever, aches, and a bit of sinus congestion. We're sending our best to JB on a quick recovery. Panic will take the stage in Napa, California later this month. Additionally, an undisclosed member of the String Cheese incident tested positive for COVID-19. SCI canceled or postponed all of their August concerts, including an appearance at Backwoods at Mulberry Mountain. The Disco Biscuits have replaced Cheese on the Backwoods lineup. Both the String Cheese incident and Widespread Panic mentioned all band band members had been vaccinated as part of their statements. As noted, a flood of COVID-19 protocol announcements came in since our last episode. Live music promoters AEG will soon require concertgoers and event staff to provide proof of COVID-19 vaccination to enter all of its owned and operated clubs, theaters, and festival. The new policy, limited only as required by law, will go into effect no later than October 1st. Another major concert promoter, Live Nation, revised its policy to require performers, concert goers, and crew to provide proof of full COVID-19 vaccination or a negative test result for entry at all of its venues and festivals beginning on October 4th. Fish, who are currently in the middle of a two-week break from the road following last weekend's three-night stand on the beach in Atlantic City, are requiring proof of full vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test result to attend the remainder of the band's 2021 concerts. Dead & Company, Dave Matthews Band, Umphreys McGee, The Disco Biscuits, and My Morning Jacket are more of the acts that put similar policies in place. Now, let's get back to Anderson East, who recently chatted from his home in Nashville with Andy Kahn over a video call. The discussion centered around Maybe We Never Die, which saw East exploring a new sonic palette. Anderson tapped his friend and longstanding collaborator Dave Cobb to produce the album. East talked about working with Cobb, how he responded to the pandemic, how isolation influenced his songwriting, and various other topics. Listen to Anderson's chat with AK, which will start by hearing a bit of Maybe We Never Die single, Madeline. I made up mine, but you made me think, yeah. Oh, and it got out of hand. Can't make sense of myself, but you understand. You understand that at the end of every day, and 
we're we're mostly going to be talking about your upcoming new album, Maybe We Never Die, which comes out on August 20th. Um, I've been listening to it over the past couple of days. It's a great record. Um, I was curious, when did you write the songs? Um, it would have been kind of late 2019 uh, through probably mid-2020. Okay, so part of it was before the pandemic and part of it was during the pandemic then? Yeah, yeah. So we had... Uh, uh, we kind of did a kind of about half of it um, before what what ended up being like half of the record. Now um, there was there was about a there's probably a full record's worth, and you know was kind of thinking we were we were done. Um, I was working out of uh, Southern Ground Studios here in town, and okay, and we were like, oh, I think we got like two more days to go and we'll be ready to send this thing off, get it, get it rolling. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the whole shutdown happened and the studio right. closed and all that. And I was like, well, I guess there's no real rush to, you know, get this thing, you know, get it done right now. So we, you know, kind of freaked out for a couple of weeks with the rest of the world. And then finally yeah. was like, well, maybe we've been, you know, secretly provided some kind of gift to be able to to have a little uh broader perspective on the project as a, as a whole and uh you know once you kind of stepped away from that you know i just kept continuing to write and, and the things that i was writing i was like well man this was a lot easier or uh, a lot more fun than working on some of the other tracks that we had already um had done so so it started to become this cross pollination uh, of time frame, and then you know the new stuff kind of uh, influenced us to go kind of reevaluate what we had already done. And so you know, as shitty of a of experience you know all of last year was it, for the project on the whole, it was really nice to um, just to kind of uh, I don't know, just let it all simmer with each other. Do you think the the pandemic itself and and the lockdown and 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 sort of the the tragedy that came with it did that inform the content of the songs that came in, in sort of the later? Yeah, but I would say you know I I had this like working title like before it all that was uh, love songs for the end of the world. Okay. And then once all this happened, you know, yeah. I was like. Maybe let's rethink this a little bit. That seems a little, uh, a little too down, but uh, a little too on the nose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was really strange. But you know, I talked to a bunch of friends of mine that you know are just kind of uh, inherently like anxious people and have dealt with that, and and uh, you know they were all like the most calm, collected kind of thing. It was like, oh, finally, all this worry we have somewhere to kind of put it, and so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the the newer stuff was just like, hey, let's just have a good time and make something that feels good and that you know is is inspiring and fun to work on so to get us a little outside of the uh, the realm of reality that, that we were living in. I was going to ask at what point you you wrote the title track and at what point you decided to 
make it a title track to to title the album after it because maybe we never die is also kind you know it it seems also that it could be a reaction to current events of the past year or so yeah that was written uh before lockdown okay had occurred back when the world was what we knew it and uh but yeah that was just kind of one that uh you know i've been dealing with uh not really i wouldn't say dealing with but just kind of evaluating you know some some stuff within my family and um and that was the one that just kind of felt like uh that was the through line that continued to run through all the songs be it you know lyrically or musically Mm -hmm. um it was kind of this i don't know it was like it was that's the one that i wanted you know mm-hmm. like making other records you're, you're kind of i don't know i was more concerned with the you know the project as a whole and of course i was concerned with the project as a whole in this one but that song seems like every other song could find its way into it if that mm-hmm. makes any sense it was like the the head of the octopus and all the tentacles kind of came out of. Okay. That's a cool way to put it. Uh, I was, I, I get a sense that mortality was part of the, the theme that, that runs through. And there's, that's obviously part of maybe we never die. Is, is that an accurate mm-hmm. assessment? Is that sort of that through line that you're kind of talking about with that song? Yeah, definitely. I mean, mortality and, uh, the idea of consciousness and uh and the soul in some you know whatever kind of perspective you have on what a soul is but yeah that was definitely a a a topic that was was kind of going through through my mind writing the whole thing and um you know it's been this weird you know even, even still like here lately it's like you know i was raised like super religious and and kind of like in the church and of course had my uh uh rebellious phase to where mm-hmm. you just kind of push all these things that you're you're kind of taught aside and and i don't know I, it made us be like the benefit of you know having uh, a little more of an adult perspective but you know now kind of having a sober look at the, all the things that um i I had rejected from a place of uh, just rebellious rebelliousness as, as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. and, and now just kind of trying to like find some kind of truth in a, um, I don't want to say an emotional way, but like just a, uh, just a, uh, I don't know, a non non-biased way of, of mm-hmm. looking at, at yourself and, and objective looking at, yeah yeah, and, yeah mm-hmm. exactly thank you for for being a dictionary for me there. <laughs> i'm an editor that's what i that's what i'm here for <laughs> <laughs> uh, when when you're writing songs do you at what point does the title come in to a song for you? Is it something that you work off of is it is is it like a concept that you'll start with or does it come after you've kind of started creating the song? I would say for me, 
a majority of it starts as the title. Really? Okay. Um, not necessarily like musically, but um, I think it's just kind of the the songwriting culture, especially like being in Nashville so, for so long. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, like I just have like a, a notes page on my phone that you can scroll for days if you're ever you know, a lot of like the, the business of writing songs here in town is, you know, you get thrown in on pretty much blind dates and, yeah you know, three hours later, you're supposed to walk out with something. So you got to have an idea while you're walking in. And, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I've got just, you know, pages and pages of just garbage. And then there might be this little nugget that, you know, you can throw out to somebody and, so for for me, a lot of it either comes from from a title or, um, you know, just and, and then if you know if you're going purely off of, you know, musical inspiration, you know, it's just like crude humming into my phone, and mm-hmm. you know, like things you know, you listen back to and you're like, what the fuck was I <laughs> thinking? You know. There's and, no melody uh, there. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's just air conditioners. <laughs> What's going on? Um, I, I've noticed though in your titles, it, it, occasionally they they could be I don't know if contradictory is the right word, but like on the album "I Hate You" is a love song, and "If You Really Love mm-hmm. Me" is almost like an anti love song. Uh, is that an intentional thing that you do? Is that trying to impact the listener? Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, that, that wasn't definitely, definitely wasn't the, the intention mm-hmm. setting out to write the song, but, uh, you know, like I hate you, uh, me and a couple of my buddies, Benji Davis and Aaron Raytier and Jake Mitchell, we went up to, we rented a little chalet in Gatlinburg okay. and we're just kind of writing this song and it just like, it felt like, you know, this like you know, drunken argument that you have with your girlfriend mm-hmm. at the totally, you know, wrong, inappropriate time. And, you know, you say all these hurtful things because you love them so much or something to that effect. And it just makes, it makes, you know, it, it kind of just balances the emotion out of, you know, like this negative comes from a place of positivity. Definitely. And it, it, it made me ahead. listen closer. I think it made me listen closer. Um, like, cause it almost, again, it was it, it, like kind of contradictory. It set me up. I was thinking, you know, I hate you was going to be a, a, a negative song maybe, you know, and then it mm-hmm. turns, it kind of catches you off guard when it's actually a, a, a song about love and, and affection and, and caring about somebody. Um, I think it's an interesting sort of approach to, to, to get the listener to um, have different expectations, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's just kind of par for the course of reality. A lot of times, like there's very few instances that are just, you know, pure emotion that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can get on the track and just ride it through. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's always these conflicting arguments going on inside your head or your heart that, that ultimately like lead you into this path. And so I'm, I'm really grateful that that came across to you hearing that you mentioned working with other songwriters and I've noticed there's several other people with credits on the album. Um, 
can you tell me about some of the people that you collaborate with and, and how those collaborations come about? Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as, uh, kind of the, the, you know, have equal handed, uh, you know, production and songwriting, uh, Philip Towns has been, uh, kind of our, our band leader on the road for ever since, you know, the first record. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the first time I, I, I wanted to really, really include him and, and for him to have a heavy hand in, in helping to, to shape the project. Um, a, because he's incredibly talented in so many different fronts and, you know, also we've spent so much time together making music that there there's not this uh language barrier that we've got to get across we we each know where each person's operating off of to where we can you know cut through the bullshit really quickly to get Mm -hmm. to the the goal in mind and and the same with you know each of us has worked with with dave cobb quite a bit Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the years and so we all kind of we, we have like a personal relationship that allows us musically to get where we're going. But, uh, you know, as far as the songs, the songwriting, you know, like people like I just mentioned, Aaron, who have, has been my best friend for over a decade. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's he's my my long lost brother that we luckily found each other. And, that's awesome. Um, and then, you know, um, Trent Dabbs, who before this record, I'd, I'd never worked with, but, uh, you know, I'd, I've known him loosely and, and kind of, he's been around the scene, you know, ever since I'd, I'd showed up when I was, you know, like 17 or something like that. And, and the first day we, we kind of, we started writing together was the first day we wrote, maybe we never die. And it was just like, oh my God, I found my dude. Mm-hmm. And it was this like, where have you been all my life <laughs> kind of kind of thing. And so, you know, we wrote a, a, a tremendous amount for this record and, and he did a lot of the, the, the background parts and, and a, a lot of the songs kind of evolved directly from like the day that we wrote it. And we would, you know, sit in my little room and, you know, explore all these little tracks and, and a large majority of it stayed. And so he, he was, um, he was, you know, huge in, in, in making this thing with me. So, so were you kind of taking the approach that you were talking about before the, this, the, this kind of Nashville approach of setting up a, a time where you're going to come together and work and try and make a song? It, it was never like that kind of, uh, like a businessy thing, mm-hmm. you know, it was, uh, you know, Trent and I, you know, it was kind of one of those things to where it's like, Hey man, why have we never written together? Like we have all the same friends. And, Mm -hmm. and so I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And then, you know, from there it was like, man, let's just keep exploring like all the stuff that's coming out of us. Cause it's like really, really inspiring and really working. And, and then, you know, really everybody else, uh, on that, on, you know, kind of the list of songwriters, it's just like, it's just my buddies, you know, it's Mm -hmm. people that, I really want to spend time with beyond like just making a record or writing. It's like, they're my friends and I really like hanging out with them and just so happens they're incredibly gifted, you know, at their jobs as well. So I'm just like the lucky benefactor of, of being 
you know, being able to be in a room with them and, you know, cut up some jokes and. And do you come out of those sessions with demos typically? Yeah. A majority. Now I do like, uh, usually I, you know, on like previous records, it would kind of just be, you know, this chunky, like just acoustic guitar, like on like your voice memos on your phone. Mm -hmm. And from there we would turn it into this thing. And then, you know, with this one, just kind of the nature of the world as it, as it was, you know, we, it, I've, I've just gotten more and more impatient and maybe like, uh, and hopefully like my skill set has developed to be a little quicker to be able to get the idea out in real time. Like I would, like my ideas, like I want it to be written and sound like it could be on the radio when we leave for the end of the day. That would be my, my ultimate goal. And a lot of people can do that kind of thing. And yeah. Like that's not, that's really not that special of a, of a want to have. But, um, but for me, it was a new thing to, to kind of force myself into. And, and so from there, you know, it's, there's like, I can't, it's, I think it's called like demoitis people get into. It's to where like, you know, you spend all this time making this, you know, demo that, as a whole kind of sounds like shit, but then once you go to make the record, you never get, there may be like that one guitar part that you just love so much and you Mm -hmm. just can't ever get it right in some way. And so, you know, so forever, I was just like, well, I'm just not going to do that. It'll, I'll just cut the song when the song's ready to be recorded. And Mm -hmm. with this, I was like, well, there's really no dividing line anymore. Like, the, the world of making records has changed so drastically and the quality uh, from uh, of just recording in general has gotten so much better to where it's like none of it matters anymore. Like there's a bunch of tracks on the new record that like I literally just like held my phone up to something and, you know, air dropped it, you know, threw it to the tape machine or something. And then, wow. boom, you know, it's like there's just no rules. And so I, was, I kind of, you know, I think we all approached it with just like, if it, if it feels good, it works. Don't question it too much. And where did you record the album at? Uh, we did. Um, so I've got a tiny little room upstairs uh, at RCA. That So Dave has the big room downstairs okay. and, you know, all the everything fancy you could ever imagine. Uh-huh. And I have this little closet. <laughs> and so, <laughs> okay. so, you know, we would write and then, you know, do any kind of you know, keyboard kind of things. And, you know, I did a majority of the vocals in there. And then, you know, once we were ready to record some drums and some strings, we'd just, you know, go walk downstairs and there's this gorgeous, you know, fabulous place. And so we did a lot there. We did some at Dave's house and, uh, and a little over at Southern ground. And so it was just a little, all just kind of walking a couple blocks over and messing with stuff. and you've you have you mentioned before you have a long standing relationship with Dave Cobb. Um, what is your, I guess, now when you get together, you said you kind of have a um, a common language. Uh, is there was there a lot of di- like discussion with him before this album? Do you do you hash things out and have long sort of conversations and pre planning? Is that part of your process these days? No. Not at all. That's definitely, uh, you know, uh, 
that's definitely not Dave's style by any stretch is, is uh-huh. any kind of planning. He, I'm sure he has some going on in his head that he's not really telling anybody about, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's so gifted to where, uh, he works off of instinct. And you know, I don't want to be speaking, you know, for him, but as you know, my observation, it's mm-hmm. his, his ability to recognize his own instinct, uh, is really, it's better than most I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, which, you know, which I, you know, can be difficult for people too. when, when somebody has a vision and knows how to get it, you know, there doesn't leave a lot of room for other shit to get in the way of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that can be daunting or, uh, maybe even off-putting at times. I'm not, and I'm not saying like any of it's off-putting, but, um, and, and I completely value it, but you know, us having the friendship that we've had for long enough, it's like, he's able to express his ideas super eloquently. Uh, and I can ingest those in a way to where there's not like this, you know, degra- degradation of intention to where, you know, I can be like, well, this is where I'm coming at it from. And so mm-hmm. we can, we can have like a, a, a respectful conversation about it that, that that ultimately makes us both happy. And does that hap- Does that occur often when you guys are working together? Are you really involved in that type of stuff? Um, this was the most I think I was involved in mm-hmm. in, in any of the prior records. Uh, mainly because I just wanted I wanted the you know the experience for myself as well. Um, okay. But you know I'm not you know it's definitely it's definitely not some kind of dictatorial process to where mm-hmm. my way or the highway kind of thing, but it's, you know, that's just the, the role of a great producer is to have, uh, a, just more foresight than somebody that's just staring so closely at a song to where when some, you know, it's impossible to, uh, I think for a lot, a lot of artists to see like the, the parts about them that are special, you know, it's easy to have a yeah. very, narrow perspective on who you are when you're that person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, somebody with, with a, with an eye for not necessarily just for talent, but an eye for personality and to see what's unique about each person's personality in such a way to not only highlight it, but get out of the way of it. Right. And that's, you know, he's, he's the best I've ever seen at doing that. I've, I've spoken to several people now who have worked with him and, um, that that's a common refrain that I hear, um, is his ability to work with people and and bring out their talents and, and highlight them. It seems to be one of his, a true talent of his. Um, Mm -hmm. and he seems, he seems to just be a, a really good dude too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly kind guy, man. Like I have, I have, so much to thank to him yeah. in my own life and in so and many ways. Who else was in the studio with you guys recording? Um, I, a majority was just us three, him, myself, and Phil. And, and Phil, uh, really? you know, we had uh, Brian Allen, who's played bass on all our previous records and works with Dave quite a bit, mm-hmm. played bass. And, uh, and then we brought in Nate Smith to play drums. Oh, really? 
yes and they played all the the live drum stuff on on that and I didn't realize uh, man, he was playing a, drums, man. I love him. He's he's amazing. Such a talented guy, man. And it was the first time uh, I think any of us had worked with, with him. And uh, what a just special human being. Talented and just overly creative. Yes. And so it was, yeah. it was super fun. We had, you know, three different drum sets set up in all different kind of configuration so we would try you know all this stuff it was just a day of just like let's just have fun i mean we got nate here let's just play some drums and yeah you know it was really interesting because you know we had had we were kind of working in this really isolated manner to where you know we were either programming drums or finding all these like loops and stuff like that and so the relationship with time started to become like this weird thing in my head of like you know, if you're working on this linear kind of scale and then, you know, you have, you know, determined bars, mm -hmm. but inside those bars, things move. Right. So it's this yeah. ebb and flow every, yep. and this kind of thing. So then trying to reanimate humanness over this, turn it into this really interesting kind of uh, play with rhythm. It was, it was a definite like new school of thought for, for, for myself at least. And do you, would, is it accurate to say that there's, there's a different sonic approach to this album than maybe some of your, your past releases? Um, yeah, and, definitely. And, and I so that's intentional, right? That going, going into the album, you had that in mind. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Um, I just, you know, beyond like, we didn't have like a target that, that we were shooting for. It was, it was more of like, and it's like, well, you, you know what you know already, but you don't know mm -hmm. what you don't know. And so we, I just wanted to, you know, be a kid in my parents' basement, just tinkering with things. That is the reason that ultimately we're here talking now. It's like that childhood curiosity that I just wanted to keep that frame of reference of like, there's way more interesting things at our disposal to use. And there's a way to do it um, with, with intention and with like integrity, instead of just doing something just to be strange or different. Like, it's like, no, it's like, you know, it's just a different color palette. Like, you know, mm -hmm. people go through their, their blue phases or their yeah. yellow phases. And it's like, you know, let's just have some different colors to work with within the same kind of mindset that, you know, we know what we do, you know, and that was the same with, you know, bringing Phil in. It's like, we've played hundreds upon hundreds of shows and we know what we do and we know what we're here to do. And it's like, how do we, how do we maintain this ground that we're, you know, that we've set up, but we, you know, we just keep adding to the, you know, to the landscape around us. So I, I guess what you're saying is you went in just sort of with an openness to explore new sounds, but not with a specific intention for what those sounds would be. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's a very good way to put it. It's yeah, there, there wasn't a, we're going to use this or mm -hmm. it was like, Hey, does this thing bring out an emotion that, that is reflected in the song? And, and we just kind of leaned into it. 
And were there any specific influences then that you drew upon to try and elicit those new sounds? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I, I can't, you know, really grasp it like one kind of thing, but it's, uh, you know, there for me, I, I, you know, like we just put out that, uh, hood of my car song and, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was like, you know, we wanted this kind of just like nostalgic feeling of like, you know, it was more of like, it was like, uh, I don't know how you would, I would maybe like, if you're making a movie or something, you've got this script and then you dress it, you know, mm-hmm. you dress the scene and it was yeah. like, well, we have this idea of, you know, this teenage kind of first love thing. And then, mm-hmm. so it's like, well, what's the furniture inside right. that? And so, you know, sonically, you know, it started off with just like, you know, this very rudimental kind of drum thing, but the piano was what had this, this life to it. And then, you know, it turned like into this like Lindrum kind of John Hughes movie mm-hmm. there at the end. And it was like, ah, oh, well, this is the, this is the soundtrack for that scene that we were kind of going for. I remember how the dust set on the skin that parking lot. Your hair was all caught up in the necklace your sister lost. The heat coming off the engine. We swelled up in the sun And I felt a pool of water buzz To finally have someone And I want to take you Out there to the end past the stars We can be whatever we want and who we are Out here in the dark mentioned that you you and philip towns have played a bunch of shows together and and that that sort of helps influence uh, your recording process when you're making songs are you thinking about the live shows the whole time we were making it we were like how are we going to pull this off yeah (laughs) that that was really i know that i know that you know happens often with musicians right like um so Mm -hmm. so as you're exploring new sounds do you, what, what kind of discussions did you have about how are we going to make this happen live? Well, it was, it was, it was never like a, we're not going to use this because, you know, we were, we're not going to be able to replicate mm-hmm. it. Right. And so now we're kind of like, we're getting into rehearsals and stuff for this tour in the fall. And, and so it's become this really interesting way of, of even reimagining more. And so it's either, you know, how do we incorporate these sounds throughout, you know, making this through line from, you know, records previous that, you know, our live shows been built on. Mm-hmm. How do we bring the new stuff into that? And then how do we bring the old stuff right. into this? And so it's, it, it's this, you know, constant creative thing of, um, you know, artistic problem solving on a logistical way that's really fun. 
um, you know, you know, a, a lot of us in the band are like, you know, very nerd centric when it comes to, you know, music gear and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a whole new kind of a, a reimagining and of, of everything as a collective whole that I'm really like kind of inspired by like, Oh wow, this, this all gets to be elevated because of everything, you know, because of what That's came cool. before and what, what's happening now. It, it, you know, everything's rising with it. So I'm, I'm really, really thrilled on how it's all turning out. That's an exciting progression for you, I'm sure. Um, and you, you have shows coming up, you're touring starting in September and going into next year. Um, are you excited for that? Are you, you have apprehension? What do you feel about getting back out on the road and being in front of people again? I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm, I think I'll be more excited once we get, you know, this is the longest I've ever gone without playing a show, you know, it's been 18 months now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think every musician, some, you know, has these like kind of gig nightmares to where, you know, you're wearing like a Dracula cape and you can't get your guitar <laughs> over your head because the strap's made out of a scarf and somebody's written the set list on a receipt and pencil and it's nine feet over there and you look around and you're like, this isn't the right band. And my <laughs> guitar is back in this field three miles away and we go on in eight minutes. You know, it's like... <sighs> So we're, ha- I'm having these dreams again. That's why. Like, yeah. Oh my God. What, you know, do I still remember what it's like? And, you know, it feels like this distant memory of like, oh, you know, I, I, I was a you know, lead singer of a rock and roll band. Yeah. Right. You know, so, so it's kind of a, yeah, I'm, I'm just scared cause it's just been so long, but you know, it seems like we've gone from a slow crawl to a sprint right now and, and just the more you're, you know, around my, my people and, you know, the guys in the band, it's like, ah, this feels really good. This is really nice. And, and so I'm sure I'll probably have some kind of emotional breakdown, like walking out on stage for the first time again. So I'm, I'm really excited just to kind of, you know, be put back into the place of, and the headspace of being able to entertain people. Yeah, it's such an emotional experience for the fans too. Uh, you know, the yeah. getting to be back and experience music with live music with other people. It, it it's emotional for everybody involved. Yeah, I, I went to uh, to a show at the basement here in town not too long ago, and I mean, like, I was all misty eyed, like yeah. walking in there. I was like, oh my god, like I didn't fully like grasp like how much not only like I missed it, but like I needed it. Yeah. just needed to be around you know it's just it's such a visceral experience like having just the air hit you from the speakers that turn into music with all these people experiencing the same thing in their own way and man it's just like i i know i will never take any of it for granted yes yes it's definitely made us all more aware of of how much gratitude we should have for live music and yeah. the, the ability to get to, to be with our friends and our favorite musicians and see, yeah. see concerts. Um, best of luck to you, man. When you're, when you do head out on tour, um, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Is, is, is it right? Is tomorrow your birthday? 
Yeah, tomorrow. Happy birthday birthday. tomorrow, man. Uh, Well, uh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And and thanks for such thoughtful questions. And and thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it, man. And uh, have a a good time in Nashville. Like I said, I I love it there. And uh, I hope to be there soon. So take care, man. Well, right on, man. Well, best of luck. Take it easy. Thank you again. Cheers. for episode 92 of the Jambays podcast. Thanks to you for listening, to Jake Alexander for producing, and to Anderson East for taking the time to chat. Anderson's Maybe We Never Die album comes out on Friday, August 20th, and we highly recommend giving it a spin. Also, be sure to check out recent episodes of the podcast, as guests over the past three weeks have been His Golden Messenger's MC Taylor, Krungbin's Mark Spear and DJ Johnson, and Charlie Parr. The theme music for the Jam Bass Podcast is provided by Clangin' and Bangin'. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe and go see live music.